Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday morning service here at Lexington Christian Church in Lexington, Indiana. Glad to have everyone here today and all those that are joining us uh, by the internet. All right. Uh, any birthdays to celebrate? Everett. All right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. Any anniversaries? both of you couples Let's see way of announcements um, I think Luke has an announcement he wants to, to make short meeting after church for the musicians for both six-man quartet and also for our uh, Christmas choir. Uh, invite everyone to attend. Uh, all are welcome. Lexington Historical Society meets tomorrow evening here at 6 o'clock. Joe Gibson will discuss the military. All are welcome to attend that. Uh, again, re another reminder of the uh, clothing, if there's still some back there. Yeah, there is. Uh, please go through them and see if there's anything you want that can use or if someone you know can use it. Anyone else have anything they'd like to add today? Any announcements? All right, let's get into our service. We'll start with the opening hymn. We will glorify number 35. Amen. All stand. Our Father and God, we thank you so much, Lord, for just your goodness, your love, your mercy, your grace. 
your gifts that you give us. Lord, every breath that we breathe is a gift from you. Every step we take is a gift from you. Lord, there is so much that you do for us that we often just take for granted. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to praise you. Every finger we move, (laughs) it's a gift. So, Lord, help us to recognize you more for the things that you have done for us. To be more in tune with you. To walk with you. To talk with you. And to know that we belong to you. And you belong to us. Let your spirit reign here this morning. And glory be given to you. In Christ's name. Our Father. Who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For God is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Be seated, please. He's got the whole world in his hands, number 43.
communion meditation will be brought to us by Brother Bob. Meditation this morning is uh, entitled Common Questions or Communion Questions. And uh, with Mitch starting a new uh, series this week, it uh, one of those things that just kind of fell in line with, with what we needed this morning. Amen. Do you remember the first time you witnessed a communion service? Perhaps you were a child sitting in a, an adult worship service. Perhaps you were an adult visiting a church on Sunday morning and observing what seemed to you a strange ceremony. You had questions, but you were hesitant to ask them. Moses instructed Israel in regard to the Passover, and when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you, then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. The Passover meal was sure to raise questions in the minds of little ones, and the adults were to give careful answers. The Lord's Supper should likewise be an occasion for fruitful questions and answers. Visitors may hesitate to ask such questions. When the emblems are passed, they wonder if they should partake. Many churches take the position that it is Jesus' supper. They do not have the right to invite or debar. But they usually emphasize that the Lord's Supper is for Christians. Amen. Visitors may also ponder why we partake of communion as often as we do. The New Testament nowhere contains a command to observe it yearly or quarterly or monthly or weekly. But the example of the church at Troas in Acts 20, verse 7, points to the breaking of bread as a central part of Sunday worship. It's reasonable to assume that it should be a central part of every Sunday's worship. Amen. The Lord's Supper is too important to approach in ignorance pray dear heavenly father we we praise you for this simple meal that holds such profound significance help us all to grow in our in our understanding of it it's in jesus name we pray amen Thank you, Brother Bob. So as Bob said, we're doing this ceremony. As Christ had gathered with his disciples to have their last Passover feast, Jesus took the bread, broke it, gave it to each of the disciples and told them to eat. This is my body, which will be given for the remittance of, of mankind. Let's all partake. In like manner, Christ gave the apostles the wine for them to drink and said drink this all of it representing his blood that was shed for remission of our sins let's all partake let's all stand for the doxology Please. 
you turn your hymnals to number 59, Blessed Be the Name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. special for us today. Get a last minute. I had to pay him a little extra money, but it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, less, less than 24 hours I've had for, found out. So, I thought, well, I'll just do one that I've already done. I thought, well, I was down to two, and then since Mark was uh, is not here today, I'm down to one. So <laughs> you're, you're stuck with this one. And uh, I figured I'd redeem myself because last time I did this one, I uh, kind of forgot the words for a minute, and so I came prepared this time. Amen. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker. Yes, if you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. 
there's a better life if you got pain he's a pain taker if you feel lost he's a way maker if you need freedom or saving he's a prison shaking savior if you got chains he's a chain breaker if you believe it if you receive it if you can't feel it somebody testify if you believe it if you receive it if you can't feel it somebody testify if you got pain he's a pain taker if you feel lost he's a way maker if you need freedom or saving he's a prison shaking savior if you got chains he's a chain breaker if you got chains he's a chain breaker all right yeah i guess it's my turn now hard to follow that one. Oh, good morning. morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Well, uh, this being a fourth Sunday, we are, uh, you know, following the pattern of doing something uh, different. And for the fourth Sundays and if no one signs up to do the fifth Sundays, I'll include it too. I'm doing a new series on Back to the Basics. It was suggested that there may be some folks who wonder why we do what we do. And as Bob said, he just he just stepped right in there with me. <laughs> but this morning, I'm in case anybody wants to know, I'm going to be teaching directly from Denver Sizemore's 13 Lessons in Christian Doctrine. So if you want to get your own copy of that book and study it, I highly recommend it. It is a very good book. And so this is what I'm going to be using to speak and teach from. And I'm going to start right from the beginning of this book on the existence of God and the names of God. You know, we often take for granted a lot of things, and there are many, many people, many people, hopefully some that are watching, listening, who don't believe in God. Why do you say, well, you want them to watch? Because I want them to hear this message. I want them to hear that there is a God, that there is a reason to believe in God. Because without God, life has no meaning, no purpose. We're just wandering aimlessly in the dark, groping for anything and everything that comes along, trying to use it as a life preserver to keep us from drowning in the darkness. But there is a God. There is a God. And I'm so grateful that I'm his child that I know him. So let's look at what there is in the scripture about God. You know, the evidence, the first and most important evidence for God's existence is the Bible itself. The Bible reveals that there that God exists. The Bible does not attempt to prove the existence of God. That's the first and foremost thing we must all understand. The Bible does not try to prove that God exists. The first statement in the Bible is, in the beginning, God. So he's not trying to prove that God exists. He's just telling you he does. It is to be assumed that God exists. In fact, it it assumes 
it as a fact and asserts that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. In Psalms 14.1, the Bible says that only a fool, ignorant of the facts, would deny God. And then not openly, but secretly in his heart. The Bible is written on the premise that the evidence for God is so strong that no informed person would ever dare deny his existence. However, to those who will not accept the Bible teachings concerning God, it becomes necessary to examine added proof for his existence. So here we're going to go through a few of those types. First is that... Reason teaches the existence of God. The law of cause and effect requires that back of every effect, there must be a cause. So if the world is the effect, what is the cause? Did the world and this universe come into being by chance, as some would have you believe? Did the world and this universe uh, uh, did, 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 was it something that came from nothing? As some would have us believe. That nothing can, uh, that something can come from nothing. Uh, I have a hard time with that one. That takes more faith than to believe what the Bible says, folks. I, I'm sorry, but that's just a fact. Or is there a mastermind which we call God? In back of all of it. Reason would teach the latter. The Bible agrees. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything, according to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4. Second reason for the existence of God is supreme intelligence indicates it. When we see a great house, we know there was a wise architect. When we hear a beautiful song, we know there was a composer. When we look at this earth, we know there was a creator. It's too orderly, too beautiful to be otherwise, to just be there by chance. Has anybody in here ever looked at roses? <laughs> I mean, come on. When we look at this earth, we know there was a creator. Now, here's some information that you might not get ordinarily. The earth is said to weigh about six sextillion five hundred and seventy quintillion tons. Atlas is strong, eh? <laughs> its dimensions eight thousand miles in diameter and 25,000 miles in circumference. That's huge, folks. It's huge. Yet, the earth is more accurate in its movements than the finest and most delicate watch ever made. The earth travels over 595 million miles in a year's time as it circles the sun. Yet it does not vary in the length of time it takes for each trip by as much as one second. If it were to vary even a half of a second, it would make scientific headlines around the world. It has done this for thousands of years. How can this be explained? A wise and powerful God is the most sensible answer. The next reason that, there, that we have as evidence of God is that nature proves it. The psalmist declared, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. Psalm 19.1. Paul in Romans 1.20 adds this, he says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal uh, power and divine nature have been clearly 
seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Mm. When we deny God, first, it calls us a fool for doing so. And second, we're, we're just not being logical. We're not being reasonable. When you say there is no God, you are not being a logical or very reasonable person. As we look at the world about us, we can be assured there is a God and that he is powerful and wise. People who reject this evidence are without excuse for their disbelief or unbelief. Some, uh, someone has written, If the word God were written upon every blowing leaf, embossed on every passing cloud, engraved on every granite rock, the inductive evidence that God is in the world would be no stronger than it already is. <laughs> when the human intellect thinks in terms of finality, with the world as its premise, at the therefore of every syllogism would be God. The universe is a big advertising poster spelling God. The next reason that we have as evidence for God is that intuition requires it. Man intuitively recognizes a higher being and desires to worship it. This is true of the most pagan tribes. Paul found this to be true in Athens in Acts 17. Among the pagan idol worshipers, where did man obtain this knowledge uh, and the concept of a divine being? The animals do not have it. The fact that man alone of all creation is a religious being is evidence that this knowledge was placed within him by his designer. Who's that? God. The atheist is unable to explain it otherwise. This skeptical age is rejecting God while wading through an ocean of evidence for him. It reminds one of the poem by Manat J. Savage. Now listen to this, folks. Oh, where is the sea, the fishes cried, as they swam the crystal clearness through... We've heard from old the ocean's tide, and we long to look on the water's blue. The wise ones speak of the infinite sea. Oh, who can tell us if such there be? <laughs> Can't see the trees or the forests or otherwise around. So God does exist. To deny it is foolish unreasonable, illogical, and against nature. Because everybody worships something, whether they see it that way or not. Some people worship their spouse or their children. Some people worship money. <laughs> Some people worship their cars or their other hobbies. Everybody has something that they cling to the problem with that is, is that if it's not God, one day, while you try to cling to it, you will fall into the pit of hell. Let's look at some of the names for God. The most common name for God in the Old Testament is either Yahweh or Jehovah. Now, Jewish people would have a problem with that. Because they call him Hashim, or Hashem, which is the name. They only, they only call him the name. Or they may call him, uh, you know, the, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But they will not ever pronounce the name. The, there's the Tetragrammaton, Tetra four. There's four letters consonants that were written in the scriptures in the old scriptures the ancient uh, scrolls that were found 
but they would not pronounce God's name for so long they forgot how. Yahweh and Jehovah are two possibilities, but not necessarily the accurate way of enunciating and pronouncing God's name. It is the most common that we use. And the meaning of those words are the same, and this means the self-existent one. The question is often asked, where did God come from? Well, the answer is that he didn't come from anywhere or anyone. He exists within himself and always has and always will. With our limitations, we find this hard to grasp. But this is one indication that God is unlimited. When Moses asked God for his name in Exodus 3.14, he said, This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I am has sent me to you. This is another way of saying Jehovah, the existing one, or Yahweh. This name clearly implies that God is eternal. He didn't say I was or I will be. He said I am. When was you? I am. When will you be? I am. (laughs) I am. Always. Past, present, future. It's all the same to God. He knows the end from the beginning. You know, it's crazy to think, but, you know... Thousands of years ago, God knew each one of us would be sitting here in this church today. And that I would be preaching this message. I mean, that's a crazy thought. And yet, it's true. That's God. God knows. That's why we need to cling to him. That's why we need to hold on to him. Because with him, there is no, no losing. You always win with God. And, you know, being a person who has limited sight, (laughs) I've had to learn to depend on God a lot when I'm walking, especially in the dark. (laughs) And sometimes I'll get a little nudge one way or the other, and he'll keep me on track. But it's just as important that we do that in every area of life. That we depend on him and let him guide us through life. You know, uh, (laughs) when when the stock market crashed back in uh, the 90s, whatever it was, uh, a lot of people showed who their God was. They just came unglued. They fell apart. I lost several thousand dollars, but big deal. So what? It's just money. It's just money. I still had God, and he promised he'd meet all my needs. That's all I need to worry about. If I cling to him, I don't need to worry about money. He said he would take care of my needs. If I believe that, then I don't need to get upset about whether I have money or don't have money. I just need to pray when I, when I see that things are getting rough and ask him to encourage my faith so that I can just keep going and trust him to meet my need. The name Elohim is applied to God in Genesis 1-1 and elsewhere in the Old Testament. And at least one of the meanings for this is the strong one. Now Elohim is a plural word in uh, Hebrew. The I am on the end is makes it plural. So technically it speaks of gods. Now we often relate that to God being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that that's wrong or that that's a bad way, but one of the things that I've learned studying uh, Hebrew is that another way to look at that is that God is always more. (laughs) No matter what you think of God, he's always more. There's more to God, there's more of God than what our minds can, ima- can, can imagine or fathom. So God is always more. That's why he's Elohim, the strong one. 
And this refers to his omnipotent, all-powerful nature. This is especially used in connection with creation. Another common name in the Old and New Testament is Adon or Adonai, meaning Lord or Master. Now that's a capitalized L and M there. <laughs> Lord or Master. And it's often applied to God in the Bible, like I said, both Old and New Testament. And this indicates his authority over man as well as all creation. He is Lord. He is God. He is over everything. He is sovereign. You know, I was reminded recently in some of the uh, readings that Mark and Herman and I do in the mornings, when we were going through some of the scriptures, one of the things that I was reminded of is the Bible over and over, especially in the Old Testament, but some places in the New Testament, God is referred to as Lord God Almighty. You know, we don't refer to him that way very much anymore. I rarely hear that full title. We say Lord, we say God, but rarely do we add that Almighty. And that's significant, folks. If we don't use that with it, at least sometimes, we're liable to forget who he really is. If you forget, if you look to him as Lord and God, Savior, and, and the one who can provide your needs, and yet you don't think of him as being almighty, you might get the idea that he's a genie in the sky. And if we rub him the right way, we get what we want. I'm sorry, folks. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You know, so many ministries are focused on what God can do for you. What God can do for you and what God can do for me. I'm sorry, folks. That is backwards. That is wrong. It's not. We shouldn't be focusing so much on what God does for us. We've already received from him what he's done for us. And he's going to continue doing for us. So now what we need to focus on is what we can do for him. We are to obey him. We are to walk with him. We are to go where he says to go, do what he says to do. We get so wrapped up in what he can do for us that sometimes we forget that we need to do with him and for him in obedience to him. That is important. Because judgment day, over and over, we're told we're going to be judged based on what we did what we did. It's what we believe first and foremost is how we get there in the first place. But then what we did with what he taught us in his word, what we did with the doors that he opened for us to go through, whether we went through them or not, and how we did when we went through them. So we've got a beginning here, a foundation Next, we're going to look at the nature of God. But here we have the foundation. There is a God. There is a God. And his name is Elohim. His name is I Am. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's the God of me and the God of you. He loves us so much that he sent his son, his only begotten son, to die on the cross, a terrible death, beating him, whipping him, and then driving nails through his hands and his feet. Why did he do that? To pay the price for your sin and mine. Death. Death is what is required. For the price of sin. He died. And he took your sins. My sins. And the sins of the whole world. On himself. So if you are here. And you've never accepted. Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's no better time than now. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. To repent. Because we don't know. If we're going to be here after a while, 
We don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed anything as far as when we're going, when he calls us. You know, I've shared with you before, I've looked everywhere and I cannot find an expiration date. <laughs> so I don't know when my number's going to be called. So it's important to be ready all the time. All the time. If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come. You know, I often, when I'm praying and meditating, right before I come up here to preach, I can often see God in heaven sitting on his throne, saying, come unto me, all ye that are burdened, and I will give you rest. If you have a need, mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Wayne. Our invitation hymn will be number 95. Read God again. Call stand. unless anyone has anything else they'd like to add. Praise the Lord. Let's do that. Let's have a, how do we do that? Uh, attitude attitude there check. There you go. Attitude, attitude check. check. Praise the Lord. I think you can do a little better than that. Attitude check. Praise the Lord. There you go. There you go. Um, I guess we'll go on to the... Um, prayer list Dee Wagner's that's here with us she's traveling she's also down in Florida so we're we want to uh, say some prayers for her and her travels and for everyone down in Florida that might be in the praise the Lord, praise the Lord. yeah but yes Amen. yeah we've had a birth explosion COVID, COVID did that. <laughs> all right, uh, let's all stand. Brother Mitch, would you uh, lead us in a prayer, word of prayer? I can do that. I've done it at least once before. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. You're always with us, Lord. You are so faithful and help us to be faithful to you. Lord, we love you. We want to please you. So, Lord, as we go, help us to focus on you and to focus on how we should 
act in order to please you and to live accordingly. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.